Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, Matthew Penny is here. What up, Ben? How you doing? Ooh, I, I'm great. I, I think I'm fully recovered from Las Vegas a week ago. I um, My ear popped on the way down from the plane. And I couldn't hear on my right ear for about a week and a half. And, and now I'm back to 100%. So I feel like I'm as sharp as ever. Yeah, that's, a, that's always a tough time whenever the ear pops because you never know when you're going to get it back. Yeah. Right? Like- <laughs> you wake up in the morning <laughs> hoping that you can hear. I, I had that once a couple years ago where I had to present – and I landed, and both of them popped. So I walked in this meeting. You don't know if you're whispering or, like, screaming. You're just kind of, like, judging the, the facial expressions of the people. Like, am I way too loud or way too quiet right now? I got to keep going. I have to present. But you, uh, you, you, like- don't, you, you can't adjust your levels on your microphone like we have the luxury of doing here. You're, you're like that uh, character that Will Ferrell used to play that can't modulate the sound <laughs> yeah, of his modulation. voice on that, Saturday that, Night Live. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. At least I was half voice modulation lately. Oh my god. So today's episode is going to be a mock draft episode of the Game Theory Podcast. We are doing a 2022 NBA mock draft one week into the college basketball season (laughs) in a draft that is anything but certain across the board. So we are prepared to look really fucking dumb Mm. in Mm. a month. Like, by the time the Maui Invitational ends, like, we might look really dumb. I don't know. Uh, Penny, this is a tricky, this is a tricky year, is I think what I'm deciding. And the first week of the college basketball season has not done anything to change that expectation, in my opinion. It hasn't. And we don't have the ability now to say, oh, it's a weird COVID year. We didn't get enough scouting. Like, there's been plenty of scouting. Now, in terms of playing against bonafide competition we'll have a clearer picture after next week after you have atlantis and you have the quote-unquote maui invitational in vegas and duke plays a bunch of big games gonzaga ucla texas so there's more of those head-to-head type of marquee matchups so it's difficult to kind of like watch what we're seeing right now and know the level of competition isn't nearly what will be on the nba level and not nearly what it's going to be in the kind of premier non-conference games while still doing our homework and, and making sure that our our boxes are checked for watching guys. And I, as much as making fun of us, I, I, I found the first mock draft we did a year ago, this time in December. Yeah. We had Cade first. There, there's one pick I oh, particularly oh, remember oh, from that oh, one. It, it's not <laughs> awful, right? It's not awful because I, I was doing the board today, and I, I just tweeted about it, and I was talking to you beforehand, texting with a few scouts, a few different people. I don't know what to do after fourth. There's some guys I like that I'm just going to slot early and get yelled at. That's okay. Uh, we're, we've kind of like settled into a group thank you a little bit for like 5 through 15. Those guys I don't really like love either. But anyway, so last year, Cade won. Great. Evan Mobley, two. Great. Jalen Green, three. Suggs, four. Okay. Jonathan Kaminga, five. Keon Johnson went sixth. He ended up going 21st. Okay. Jalen Johnson, seven. 
fine. He was up and down. I think it was after like one game. BJ Boston went eighth. He went fifty first overall. Then Zaire Williams yeah, and Scotty Barnes tenth. So we had some hits. We we had some misses. If we're as accurate as this, I'll, I'll be pretty happy and satisfied. But it, it's very much a an open book and a very very fluid process. I'd say even from top to bottom at, at the top of the draft all the way to the end of the first round. I mean, that sounds like we got eight of the top ten right. Like the first one last year. That's but, pretty good. But we didn't go like nuts. Like all those names. With the, uh, with the exception of Suggs, who I, I think probably started preseason like the, the teens or like the early 20s, and yeah. then right away we saw like this might be something. Those guys were all the the early mocks, the, the preseason rankings. Those were the guys, the, the top four or six, that were, were going to be the top four or six. For for this draft, there's, there's probably two, and I think two yeah. more have kind of separated themselves a little bit. But if you told me the guy who we have fifth or sixth goes first, I, I'm not going to fight you over it today. Like, very, very possible. Nothing is locked up. Nothing's done. Whereas yeah. a year ago, we said Cade probably first. Let's, let's battle it out with Mobley, with Jalen Green. But it, it was pretty certain that Cade was going to be the first guy. Yeah, and you tell me the guy that we have at number five goes number 16. That won't surprise me either. Uh There is such a wide range of outcomes for all of these guys across the board right now that it's really fun like that's what makes a thing like what we're gonna do today really fun to me because like you said last year there was some certainty there was some groupthink or there was actually a pretty high degree of groupthink but it was groupthink because there was a clear class of players at the top right yeah. like maybe Keon johnson he johnson was groupthinky because we all wanted the athleticism to be real but then when you went back and watched the tape it was just bad mm-hmm. right uh, this year there there's just no such thing. Like there are, I would say, four guys that I feel really good about. I also feel really good about a fifth guy, but he has a game this week, and we're going to find out real quick whether or not he's ready. Um, I, I it's it's a tricky one. This is a really tricky year. I uh, I I think that we're going to see quite a few guys emerge over the course of this college basketball season uh, that we were not anticipating being at that level uh, in this early stage of the first week. Yeah, and and last year it was similar in that. Kind of had my first top six or so pegged, and then from 7 to 12, I'm like, I like that guy 7, so I'm going to put him 13th. And you fill up the rest of the names and realize you don't have anybody 7 through 12. So I did the right. same thing here where I had my top 5 or 6. I said, well, that guy's not 7th. Let's start at 15. But then you go 15 to 35 and say, well, somebody needs to be drafted 8th. Someone needs to go 11th. And that's why this stuff is fun. But we are, are definitely exposing ourselves for uh, some old takes exposed on the line. Uh, because two games is, oh, not, yeah. is not a good sample size. You talk to any NBA analytics people and say, give it a few weeks. They're, they're going to have freshmen highs and lows. You're going to have veteran guys that come barreling out of the gate, and then you get a scouting report off game film, and their game changes completely. Totally. Yeah, no, that, that's 100% right. So let's get started here. Uh, I don't have a coin to decide who's going to go first, <laughs> okay. but I have an espresso card here. This is uh, high-level stuff. Yeah, that that is just me. So we have a front and back of this Nespresso card. I'm going to throw it in the air and try to flip it. And we're going to see who's going to go first. Okay. Okay. Call it in the air. Uh, Tails, the scanning side. Okay, so it was heads. So I am going to go first. Yes. 
Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a few, there's a few, uh, there's a few gimmies. There's a few bunnies by the rim that you could finish. Yeah, which is, which is nice, of course. So the way we're doing this is we're not doing it by team, right? right. Like it's just not like we're 15 games into the NBA season, and I really don't want to piss off people by like ranking their team <laughs> dead last, right? Obviously, like fans of the Thunder, fans of the Pelicans, like fans of the Magic are probably listening a bit more intently to this, but. We'll, we'll we'll just kind of leave it as a non non team specific fit thing for now. That seems fair, right? Yes, totally. Okay, with the first overall pick, I'm going to take Paulo Boncaro, mm. uh, six foot ten forward out of Duke, who I've had at number one throughout like the entire process thus far. Uh, I, I'm just an enormous fan of Paulo. I love his basketball IQ, his skill level, his continue to improve in a really drastic way to where he's now like a mid-range killer as a shot creator uh duke is like throwing him the ball at the elbow and he is able to like jab step take two dribbles you know do like a reverse turnaround kind of thing like reverse pivot turnaround and then he can uh you know take a drive and then like stop on a dime take a little floater like it's just all of the skills you're looking for from a primary shot creator except what i think differentiates paulo from others is that he's actually a really smart defender mm-hmm. i do worry about the foot speed a little bit he's six foot ten 250 pounds he doesn't look like he's 250 like he probably looks like he's what like two. 35 oh, it's, it's, right now yeah, it's gonna be a ridiculous low body body fat percentage because he's he's big and strong and doesn't look bulky at all totally so we're talking about a guy that i do have some foot speed concerns but he's always in the right spot rotationally and is a like conscientious defender like he wants to defend in a real way like it's not um you know, I've seen some people compare him to Car- Carmelo Anthony. Like, I-, I don't think that's like a horrible comparison necessarily. I-, I think that he has a more defensive mindset and IQ level than what Carmelo has e- ever had. I don't think he has the offensive skill level of Carmelo, so like that's a little bit different. But I, I-, I think that paulo is a really really talented four-man prospect for the modern game who plays unselfishly makes the right passes uh defends can be a high level shot maker i think he is a future all-star and i have him at number one and scoring that nba style of attack like you said too and i think a lot of the carmelo comparisons come from that like mid-range style face up has really good balance will jab step then pull up see how you react and then kind of attack from there and just has a a supreme patience about him too he doesn't get it it's like "Ah, i gotta go like he he lets the defense get set he'll ball fake opposite want to shoot a little bit better from three he's one for eight so far this season everything else is there And, and then there's even some untapped stuff that we had the benefit of seeing when he played in the high school year of he can really run pick and roll so he can bring the ball up a little bit he's deferring and and kind of advancing the ball up and, and rim running and then trailing the play so there's more stuff to him even we've seen at duke and he's a, a not a clear number one but i also had him number one on my board to start 
Uh, and just for note here, uh, so we are recording this after he has been uh, cited, let, let's go with, and like has, I think he has to appear in court for this aiding and abetting a DWI charge. A- NBA teams are going to ask him about it, but he wasn't driving. Uh, it was his car, obviously, I guess, with uh, Duke walk-on slash Coach K grandson, Michael Savarino, driving. Look, I mean, he was in the backseat. He wasn't driving. Apparently, I was reading that most of these aiding and abetting charges uh, end up getting dropped. Now, will it happen the same way uh, in North Carolina, given that it's a high-profile Duke player? I I don't know. Depends Uh, if the judge is a Tar Heel fan, right? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I don't think that this is going to play a role in his like long-term uh nba future teams will ask him about what happened and and i think that given the fact that coach k started him uh you know the night that this news came out and then after the game was pretty pointed about how different the situations are between his grandson michael severino and paulo uh he, he was just very clear that it seems like they have much more context on the situation, which of course they do, and that what Paulo did was drastically different in comparison to what Savarino did. Correct. Yeah, he, he played last night, so I, I don't anticipate too much more on it. I mean, he'll probably have to show in court, like you said. I know North Carolina has stricter laws and the type of stuff, so we'll let that play itself out. And I don't think that's going to necessarily have a dip in, in where he's projected to be picked either. Okay, go to number two, Matthew Penny. Number two and Team Penny, we are selecting Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga. So what, what, Under Armour shill, oh, Matthew forever. Penny. That's why. We're a classic <laughs> Chet apologist this year. Uh, so Chet, my, my guy Chet, he, you can tell he's still adjusting to the college game. I, I love the size at, at seven feet tall and an enormous, ridiculous wingspan. And defensively, if he's not blocking shots, he's altering shots or making you think about coming the lane too. It's like you see some guards like take a dribble and say, yeah, I don't think so. Just kind of like reverse it. And even Texas, his numbers weren't astronomical, but that one drive by Trey Mitchell stands out to me where he just kind of got to the rim and said, yeah, I got no shot. I'm just going to kind of chuck this up here and, and see what happens. For Jet, he has really solid handle offensively for his size and Gonzaga's really living up to their recruiting pitch by letting him play primarily in the perimeter. It's not really like a high-low game. Like He's out there being the the big guard that he wants to be, has soft touch on his jumper, has the nastiness and dog about him, and he, he's a humble kid too. I mean, Drew Timmy had 37 points against Texas, and kind of like that sub-storyline, well, well, Chet had, had two, two points, two field goals, whatever it was. He's happy to defer and just wants to win. He's not going to have many two-point games. That's, that's not who he is. But I think with strength, I think with durability, I think with all the upside he has and, and what we've seen forever on the grassroots level, he's still becoming the person he's going to be. I want him to, to get a little bit bigger. I don't know how much weight his, his frame can, can handle, but still a, a world of opportunity for him to be a, a really successful college player and then NBA player as well. Yeah, so I have some numbers on the Texas game, particularly. So these numbers come from Pivot Analysis. I wrote them in my scouting notebook that I published over at The Athletic after this game. Uh, In the 11 minutes that Chet Holmgren played in the first half, Texas took just 15% of their shots at the rim. Uh, That's a staggeringly low number. Uh, When he was off the court, Texas took over one-third 
of their shots at the rim. I think it was like 38%. Uh, over the course of the full game, when Holmgren was on the court, Texas shot 33% at the rim. Uh, when he was off the court, they shot 60% at the rim. He, he was a monster in that game defensively. I thought he was so good. Uh, he played the critical role in Texas, having all of the problems that they did uh, offensively. Look, I, I think that he is definitely still adjusting in terms of strength to the college game and to playing stronger players more consistently. Right. Now, I think that's fine. Like, it's it's yeah, going to take some time for a kid that's 190 pounds. It's, it's um, not always going to be Dixie State where he's rebounding over the top and, and dunking on guys and just using his length. He's going to have to use that, but also some finesse stuff because you're not going to be overpowering people. Even though Texas didn't have the most length and size, they're still big and strong guys in the paint. Yeah, and he made a three finally last night. Uh, I forget who they played last night, but uh, he finally made a three. It looked good coming out of his hand. We know that Chet has real shooting potential. Ultimately, this is all going to come down to where teams fall on how much weight he's going to be able to put on long term. Uh, If he can put on real weight and improve that strength level to where he needs to, he's going to be the kind of player that we all hope he can be. But. You know, every team, I think, is probably going to feel a little bit differently about that. Totally. Okay. Number three. I am going with Jabari Smith out of Auburn. And I would assume that you thought I was going a different direction? Mm, I didn't. No. I had Jabari three. I, I thought you'd have Jabari three as well. I do. So... Why Jabari at three? So Jabari Smith is what? Between 6'10 and 6'11? Yep. Let's say. Something like that. Not crazy length. I would say something like a seven foot one wingspan plays the four for Auburn. He is a really, really fluid athlete who can grab and go on the break. And then there was a clip that you sent me as it was happening while you were watching oh, yeah. where he just grabbed and goed. Had like a crossover at midcourt, stopped and popped for three, it, like in transition, yes. like it was nothing, right? Uh, th- this kind of stuff is not normal for guys who are that big, uh, especially looking that fluid with the ball in their hands. Uh, he has made something of an impact already defensively, just in terms of like making his length and athleticism felt on the floor. Uh, I- I've been pretty impressed with what we've seen from Jabari Smith so far, just in terms of what the athleticism is and how, uh, how, how capable he is of utilizing that athleticism on the court. Like he can pretty easily bend and slide on the perimeter defensively uh, in a way that most players six foot ten, six foot eleven, uh, they they can't really do. I mean, so far he's averaging like sixteen points, eight rebounds, two and a half assists. Uh, he's averaging three and a half steals and one and a half blocks per game. Like he's just been super active on that defensive end of the court, uh, getting a ton of deflections. Like I- I've been very impressed. Now I-, I would very much like to see Auburn play a real basketball team it's we're getting there soon. we're getting there uh 
But this is a so far so good start for Jabari Smith that kind of showcases his upside. Uh, We're going to get that starting next Wednesday when they play Connecticut because Connecticut has some big dudes that will cause some issues. Uh, Adama Sonogo is six foot nine, 240 pounds and will throw his weight around. Um, You know, he's really the one, but then they have other tough guys like Isaiah Whaley, Tyrese Martin, uh, on the wings that will really kind of force him into uh, really showcasing who he has potential to be. I think yeah, I, I texted you during the nickel state game in the, in the first half and I said, I'm shooting my shot. He's a top three guy. And then I feel like everyone on draft Twitter had the, the similar feeling of watching it. So I didn't beat anybody to the I punch. I think you, you meant uh, Monroe. I don't think they've played nickel state. Yet. Oh, okay. Yes. Louisiana Monroe. ULM. Sorry. Another okay. team down that general region, but I, I fell in, in love in like real time during that game because he's playing the top of the press. One three one, he's trapping, he's deflecting, he's diving the fourth loose balls. Seems like a great teammate, energy guy. And then, you know, when when he takes the ball at the rim and, and pulls up from stride and, and three, and another one he's, he's dribbling full court. The guy reaches in, he puts it behind his back to score. Just the the fluidity at his size, and then to trail the play and and to be able to shoot so confidently from three. I, I thought there was maybe some trailing shooting Jaron Jackson to his game. It has been two games, but one of the knocks that we kind of talked about is he's a really good mid-range shooter and scorer on the grassroots level and, and with the Atlantic Celtics. Can he do it consistently from three? Looked like there was no issue. Uh, I, I like that he's a multiple. Yeah, he's made five threes through those two games already. He's a, he's a multiple effort and energy guy on both sides. He, he seems like the players like playing with him. That first game he had eight points. He didn't do anything too crazy, but you saw the, the jumper, and then he, he put it all together last game. Do want to see better competition, but the way he looks, moves, shoots at his sides, at his position, the way the NBA shifted and shifting, I'm good with him at three. Okay, Matthew, give me uh, give me pick number four. Pick number four before I think we take a turn for other directions in our picks. I'm going to go with Patrick Baldwin Jr. from Milwaukee. Okay, I pat at five, so I still have one more. Oh, one more in the bag. So, despite Milwaukee not really having many weapons around him, I, I the idea of him playing there is actually grown on me because. Patrick Baldwin Jr., he's at his best running wide in the perimeter and, and running wide, filling the lane, and kind of like spotting for threes, sort of in like that Clay Thompson-y type role. I'm not saying he's a Clay Thompson shooter. I'm not going to say he's going to score 70 points in a game. My point is, here from Milwaukee, he's forced to be a creator. He, he's forced to be yeah. this alpha. And the numbers aren't going to be the cleanest. The the tape in the film's not the cleanest. I mean, if you just pop in on Synergy and you're just watching his his buckets, it's like, wow, they're down 62-39 to 39 to Eastern Kentucky. So it, it's not necessarily going to translate to wins, but for the player that he's going to be, I do think it helps him round out his overall game. The the positives are he's six foot nine. He has a really high release, smooth release. He knows how to use screens to free himself. His handle's getting better. He's figuring out to be a takeover guy. Uh, I do anticipate him also putting up crazy numbers once they get in conference. He, he's going to see some junk defenses. He'll see some box and ones. He'll see some weird double teams. But ultimately, playing this kind of role as this Mr. Everything will, will be best for who he's going to be down the line. He just, just has to continue to, to get better, continue to be a leader. He's a freshman. He's played two games, and I, I do have faith in him going forward. Yeah, at least until March, uh, he has the biggest game of his season coming up on Thursday. This is the guy I was referring to earlier. Uh, they play Florida yeah. 
over uh, on Thursday here. And that, to me, is one of the bigger scouting games of the year. Uh, if only because we're going to see Pat Baldwin go against like real length and strength. I will tell you, I scouted the Florida Florida State game like pretty in depth, and I was very impressed with Anthony Deruji defensively. Uh, six foot seven, seven foot one wingspan. He is also playing like out at the top of Florida's pressure in terms of just trying to pressure guards and then they will slide him down the lineup or they will slide him up the lineup. He's six foot seven, like 225 pounds. Uh, he is a very, very capable player who will get into Patrick Baldwin's space, who will try to frustrate him as a power athlete and who I, I think can legitimately cause some problems for Pat Baldwin. They also have a few guys that, I think they could use to try to get up under Pat Baldwin. Uh, they have Flandris Fleming, mm-hmm. who is from uh, what I, I believe Charleston, Charleston Southern. Southern. Yeah, who won the Defensive Player of the Year in that league last year, and they're using him like in a real <laughs> defensive role yeah. already. Uh, they also could throw C.J. Felder out there, who you're going to be familiar with uh, just from his being at Boston College. They haven't played C.J. Felder a ton yet, but that's just like another big body who is really athletic that they could throw at Pat Baldwin. This Florida team, look, I've probably like scouted, you know, 30 teams like pretty in-depth so far. Florida's performance against Florida State, I thought was the best defensive performance I've seen uh, this year so far. They're they're going to be a team that can genuinely cause Pat Baldwin problems, and I'm fascinated to watch how he adjusts throughout the game to the way that they're playing him. They're going to keep throwing guys at him because he doesn't really have those release valves yet or, or rip cords yet of players yep. that I'm going to take a play off and, and stay over here, you go get yours. Like He has to get his every play. I mean, even when he's scoring, he's falling the ball right away for rebound to try to get points in the paint because that's really the only way they're they're putting points on the board uh so yeah he, he's got a lot to to do and show and prove but for a couple of games and based on just the reports from usa basketball i, I really still like him as a prospect in the top five yeah okay let's take one quick commercial break and we will be back with more we're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, For instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla Minus One recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan. And you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon Prime or something to be able to watch it. So... When I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. 
Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. NordVPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash game theory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash game theory to claim your account, nordvpn.com slash game theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash game theory. Okay. We are back. Number five now. I'm going to go with Jalen Duran yep. out of Memphis. And I had Duran at four on my board. I think I'm a little bit higher on Jalen Duran than what the general like consensus community is. He's been fine so far for Memphis. Again, a team that hasn't played anyone at all. Like People seem to be melting down about Imani Bates uh, publicly. And we, we thought that Imani would be fine playing bad teams. The question is going to be what Amani looks like when the you know Tigers finally play someone that will crawl into his space and try to make his life miserable. Uh, the good news is they don't really get anyone like that until December, December yeah. really. Probably. Uh, like Virginia Tech and Georgia and like even like Mississippi, those aren't very good defensive teams at the high major level. Like I think that they've, uh, I think that you know Memphis has done well to allow him to get his feet under him while still playing some pretty good competition. Uh, but in the case of Jalen Duran, it's just kind of a limited role right now. Like he's just catching lobs and, you know, rebounding on the offensive glass and he's swatting every single shot that comes into his perimeter because he's averaging. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Shaq uh, and blue chips when he's in a classroom. The little kindergartens are trying to show at the room. No chance. Yeah. He, he has 14 blocks in three games. <laughs> And uh, it's it's pretty outrageous. Uh, every single time uh, someone comes into the paint on him, he is just swatting the ever-loving shit out of them. Uh, I thought he was their best player against St. Louis, personally. I know that uh, you know he ended up with like 13 and 8, but he also had six blocks and uh, was just a total monster defensively. In that game, so th- that's the role for Jalen Duran. He is six foot eleven. He has like a seven foot five wingspan. Uh, here, here is my question to you. I-, I would certainly, you know, confidently right now take Chet Holmgren ahead of Jalen Duran just due to the uh, offensive upside that Chet Holmgren has. That Jalen Duran, I think, is still working toward. He has some potential to be that. Uh, he, I think, has a little bit more potential in the mid post than what we've just gotten to see mm-hmm. thus far. Also, like, teams can't help but foul him. Like, he, he's going to live at the line, I think, for a large portion of this season. 
Who do you think is a better rim protector between him and Chet Holmgren in terms of being a long-term rim protection prospect? I'm going with Chet, despite even Duran's numbers being better. I think Chet play alters more shots. If, if you combine altered shots, shots not taken, and blocks, I'm going to go with Chet there. But but Jalen Duran's yeah. no slouch. Like I'm not I'm not discounting anything you said about him as a defender either. Yeah, no, I think it's uh, I think it's close. Uh, I also trust Chet's movement skills mm-hmm. a little bit more than I trust Jalen Duran's. Uh, I think that overall defensively, uh, Chet is probably a bit more impactful. I, in terms of like pure rim protection, I think that Jalen might have it for me, yeah. but it's a very, very close sentiment. I think. Uh, I think all of the. Um, I, I think that we have two legitimately uh, damn near elite rim protectors in this class in Chet Holmgren and Jalen Duran. And then we have a couple other guys that I think could reach that level. This is a very high end uh, center class and guys who can shut down the paint area defensively. Okay, Penny, this is where the fun starts because I have no idea what you're yeah, going to do at hit, number hit six. Stop. If you made it this far, you're going to think we're really smart. If you're hanging around for the next hour or so, just uh, just buckle up. If we're in a seatbelt, put it in a second one because we get a little crazy here. I do anyway. I don't know if you're going to play it safe. Oh, God. I, I, go, okay, this, Num- this, number this six. This one's go normal, ahead, and I don't think you'll think it's too okay. crazy. So I have Jaden Hardy, sixth from G League Ignite. Okay. I'm going to start with the positives. He, he's bounced back. He had some rough shooting nights. He, he has, and he's yeah. played well the last game or two. He really knows how to free himself up. He, he stops harder than dying for pull-ups. He has great range on a shot. And he, he has a, a really solid balance and squares himself when he's not taking these crazy low percentage runners and, and kicking his legs out. Just has to like reel it back in. Has ultimate green light. He has for a long time. The concerns, he was only 4-14 from 3 thus far. And the, the team has struggled. I mean, not to steal a, a Rick Pitino old Celtics line, but Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga aren't walking through that door and, and those guys impacted winning so I'm a little concerned because that G League Ignite team like isn't great right now and I, I oh it's horrible yeah <laughs> like let's just call it what it is it's, it's bad I, by I was, the G I League to play it nice standard and, and you can come in with the the sledgehammer I, I just worry <laughs> as I'm taking him sixth this is so critical I I just worry how much of that play translates to winning basketball right now like I I watched I watch him, and, and I text you just watching just as a score. And, and defensively, he's pretty good instinctually off the ball for steals and deflections. But for just scoring, like, is he significantly better than Cam Thomas? I, I don't know that. Like, when, when Jaden Hardy's shot isn't falling, how else is he going to help you? It, it feels like all these early mocks kind of have him as 4-7 to seven range, me included. Uh, I'm just still searching on whether I'm there. But, yes, here's my sixth pick, Jaden Hardy. Have at it. Yeah, I mean, look, like I have Jaden at like eight or nine right now. Uh, I, I don't hate it. Like, I, I think that he's in this tier for sure, right? Like, it, it's a reasonable pick. If you really believe that he can be an elite level scorer at the next level, yeah, I, I think it's fine. Uh, he's shown some passing, like, vision stuff. A little, that yeah. I, I, I didn't know that he totally had. Right. Like I saw like very few and far between passes from him that were high level. But even in that like first regular season game that he played, he showed like more consistent flashing passes that we haven't seen from him previously. So I'm 
I think this is a fine pick. It probably wouldn't have been my pick, but I think it's a fine pick. Yeah, great. We, it, it starts. All right, so hit me then. That, that was mine. What are we at, number seven here? Oh, yeah, and you, you're probably going to crush me for this pick, oh, I so can't it'll wait. be great. I'm still on the Ty Ty Washington bandwagon. Oh, no. Oh, no. Seven? I am, oh, no. I'm scrolling right now. This is me scrolling in real time. I had Ty Ty 24. Go ahead. Yeah. I believe it. Wow. So All right. I'm still sell, on sell the Ty Ty Washington on Ty-Ty. I need a sell. I talked to an NBA scout today. I said, what does he do? I said, uh, let me ask my friend Sam today. Okay. So here's what he does. I think he is a high-level shooter who just did not shoot well in his first game against Duke. Right? Like, I think that there were nerves. I think that there was some real, like, I think that he just didn't play well in that game. And I think that it's a first game and you just kind of – I don't say you toss it out. It's certainly a piece of the sample. But I think what he does is he processes the game at a very, very high level. And you go and you watch their two games against Robert Morris and Mount St. Mary's. He was a lot more comfortable. The game against Mount St. Mary's particularly ended up with 16 points, three assists. He gets to his spots. I think that he decelerates really well and actually changes direction really well i don't think he's going to have a problem look it's hard it's hard to say because like he had a problem getting separation from duke but i also think that like the court constraints mixed with duke's length makes it almost even unlike an nba team that ty ty is going to play because duke has nba length played on a collegiate court which is more condensed and like harder to actually maneuver within because it's you know 21 feet because coach k doesn't really start his offense at 29 feet like some coaches do he starts his offense at you know 21 feet essentially like right at the three-point line i think that he moves off the ball really well and can create his own shot the thing that kentucky doesn't have him doing right now that I think he can do is I think he can really, really pass the ball at a high level. They have him operating almost purely as a scorer. And I get it because this roster like kind of needs that on some level, right? But you mix the ability to make high level passing reads with the ability to shoot and to create his own shot. I think there's actually a lot of skill there, and I think that he profiles exceedingly well as a player that fits into an NBA scheme as a uh, just like secondary ball handler next to an elite level wing or an elite level point guard. Even uh, it's I'm trying to think of like the comparison, like the comparison that people threw out was like Chauncey Billups. Right. I, I don't know that it's quite that, but I think the role is like, you know, really high level shooter, passer, decision maker, processor of the game that can do a lot of different things on the court and just kind of help teams win by making positive decisions and I wonder how much we're going to see the positive decision making this year in terms of like dribble pass shoot 
and just like letting the game come to him and do whatever he wants to do because Kentucky seems to have shoehorned him into a role where they're asking him just to score, it seems like. And we've seen some shoehorns. We've seen guys successful out of it, like Devin Booker and Tyler Hero showed more in the NBA. My hesitation... Tyrese Maxey, too, by the way. Maxey's a good one, too. He is. My my hesitation with Ty Ty is just, if you're not... Like, he has to shoot it. Like, I don't think he's always going to be able to turn the corner hard and beat his man. He's more of a, like, keep him by his hip, and then you got to be able to pull up or, and make a quick decision. But is, isn't all of this what we said about Maxey? Like... Yeah, but Max is oh, like kind of an uh, kind of an under you know undervalued athlete, like guy who's not a great athlete and uh, hasn't shot it well from three yet. And then you look at Tyrese Maxey; he's averaging fucking eighteen points, four rebounds, and four assists while shooting fifty-two oh, he's really, and forty-two he, he, he's, and eighty-seven. He's, he's, he's really shooting like, it, really defending too. I, I like the sell. You're, this is this is a good like data analytics. These are the Kentucky guys. Here's where they pan out when they're these weird off kind of combo guards, but not really. This is the role. I've just kind of turned off by one. Trevor Keels just bullied the crap out of him, and that's okay. It was the first game. Like, Trevor Keels is something to prove coming off injury. People kind of forgot about him a little bit. And then he did look better against Robert Morris and Mount St. Mary's. Two good basketball teams, but not SEC level competition. Uh, three assists, totally. three assists to two turnovers. He is that intangibles, kind of like winner type guy, has an in between game. I, I just I need to see games four, five, ten, and, and what he's able to do, and, and kind of stamp himself as a bona fide top ten guy. Yeah, look, like this this is this is a limb that I'm on for sure. Like I, I am out on a limb with Ty Ty Washington. Like I, I really am a fan. I think he's a terrific player. I understand that I'm the kind of kind of out on my own on this it's okay. one a little bit. It's good. That's why we do this. Yeah. I, I prefer this. I prefer that we go and say like I have Ty Ty seventh. I have someone crazy tenth as opposed to let's just round up everyone else's mock draft and, and go in order because it doesn't end up that way. We read off our our top ten from a year ago. So much changes. Let's let's be the changes that we want to see in in the draft world. Okay, you're up, Penny. You're up at number eight. <sighs> okay. Uh, I am going to go with Jaden Ivey from Purdue. Okay, yeah, I get that. Great summer with USA Basketball. I, I've only watched one game of him versus Indiana State, and, and he did slice up the defense. He, he got to the basket almost at will. Scouts are worried about the jumper. He's he's 3 for 12 from 3 to start, but it does look better. Like He, he has more confidence in it. It's not as much of a hesitation. I remember last year in I think it was North Texas game. He catching on the perimeter. He almost did that like backwards jab step every catch, and you knew he was dribbling. Like he didn't really think about shooting. He knew he had to get to the yeah. to the cup. He had to get to the rim to score. The other thing with him is he just likes to catch and, and push the tempo, and he strides out really well in transition and beats his man. He rebounds well for his spot as well from the guard position. It feels like a comfort pick here where you know where the floor is and you just hope the, the ceiling is pretty high when he's he's able to get the shot to turn the corner some too. Yeah, I agree. And, and by the way, I'm just, I'm just kind of like looking for the first time to see where other people have Ty Ty Washington. Not so. Uh, I think it's like 11th-ish. Yeah. Yeah, it's like 11th-ish. So I'm like I'm like not crazy out I'm on him, I guess. I'm killing you. Yeah. Okay. I. Uh, yeah, Jaden Ivey. I like Jaden Ivey quite a bit. Like, super athlete, you know, turbocharged and can get to the cup whenever he wants. It does come down to the shot. I'm a buyer on the shot. Jaden Ivey's Jaden Ivey was my next player. So this is a this is like a pick that we're in total agreement on. Okay, here, enjoy it while you last. Yeah, I, I don't know that we need to dive deeper. <laughs> no, it's okay. a good dive. Number nine. 
This, I mean, like... Oh, what? I, this is a... Water's warm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, see, like, this, this is we a got, pick that I don't more, feel like great tw- about. We got 20 more picks. We got, we got to fire. We got to fire the gun. No, I know. This is a pick that I don't feel great about. Uh, like, I'm going to go Caleb Houston yeah. at number nine. I, I had him there, um, too, and I don't feel great about it. Yeah, so... I haven't totally loved what I've seen. Like some of the sets that like Michigan runs have been like very impressive for him. Right. Like I remember against Buffalo, they ran like this really cool out of bounds play to free him up for like a baseline jumper. And he got his body aligned from the mid range and in in mid air. And it looked pretty clean. And, you know, he came out of that game firing. Like he looked awesome in that game and then like last night against seton hall he played 39 minutes and had four points while shooting one of nine from the field yep like seton hall completely bottled him up uh and seton hall's good like i've talked the entire preseason about seton hall right like i think that they are awesome i think they're going to be a legit like top 25 team this year but man, like it, it wasn't it wasn't the prettiest thing in the world. No. I will say that. Like it was uh it was tough and look like you know what? Seton Hall is a great defensive team. Like Kadari Richmond played twenty minutes. Kadari Richmond is one of the best defenders in the country. Uh Ike Obiagu is uh, one of the better rim protectors in all of college basketball. They have a bunch of old guys like Jared Roden and Miles Kale, uh Alexi Yetna. Like they will throw dudes at you who will make your life miserable. But uh, I I need to see where Caleb Houston settles as a shooter. This is one where like Caleb Houston might be being propped up a little bit by what we thought of him coming into the year based off of his performances at like U19s and other things where frankly, like you go back and you look at the numbers, like, it was more like tape flashes than it was actual production. Like he scored like 17 points, but shot, you know, not super efficiently from the field. I, I think Caleb Houston's talented. Clearly you think he's talented based off of where you have him. I, I think at some point we're going to have to see that talent turn into him, like shooting at a 36% clip and defending at a high level and doing the things that we think he can. He's built as a shooter, and I have some concerns with his shooting. Like, the speed of the release is a little bit slow and anything on the move. And you could tell from, I think it was game one to two or two to three, that somebody told him, like, hey, just catch and shoot. Like, stop thinking about it. Stop coming off screens and, and waiting, hesitating, see if your man catches up. Come off a screen, square up and shoot. But for a, a shooter, I think he's like five for 16 from three or something like that. But he's had some sort of like crazy air ball misses too. Like not close, like not yeah. in the stratosphere. Uh, we had crazy air ball misses from our friend Franz Wagner from Michigan. They play a similar role, similar <laughs> program. And obviously they're, they wear the same jersey and he's turned out to be okay. So I, I don't want to go nuts on it. But it, it also turned me off a little bit. And the same you can say about Hunter Dickinson is late in that game, they weren't even really looking for him. Like, all right, we need a bucket. Let's find Caleb Houston. It was, it was Brooks. It was yeah. Devontae Jones going. And maybe that's just a, a byproduct of their guards trying to do too much. But he, he wasn't the guy that had the ball in his hands to step up and make these quick little passes or, or moves or cuts. There's some red flags. Uh, I, I do buy the talent. I do buy the, the FIBA stuff. He, he didn't shoot it well there either. Uh, the lateral quickness needs to improve some too. 
uh, it, it, there was a much larger role for him with Canada during the international play, and I, I hope he's able to capture some of that as they go into non-conference and Big Ten play. Okay. We, we are up to number 10 now. All right. It's time. It's time to get nuts. I don't even know if this guy's really on draft boards. It's been two games, but I'm going. Or no, 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 no. That, that was number. That was number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're up at number no, 10. it's 10. I'm sorry. My brain it's 10. turned your, off for Your a brain might explode here, but with the conversations we had the last two days, I think you're ready for this explosion. Like I, I prepped you before the dinner that I was going to pop the question or something. Uh, I'm going with Kendall Brown from Baylor. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So you told me before the podcast, you moved Kendall Brown down twice. Yeah, I moved him back up when we're talking. I can't do it. I can't. Okay. And, and he, <laughs> I was going to say, like, you know, did you move him yeah, down twice him and still no, no, took no. him 10? We'll get to the next, like, three, four picks, my reasoning behind it. It's been two games. This is probably going to look really stupid. But I, I didn't even really have a discussion point in our preseason preview. We talked about he was at Sunrise and just pogo stick type of guy and I probably pigeonholed him as as a four, as this bouncy four. And I don't want to undersell the athleticism because he is a violent two-foot jumper, like violent, like skies above the rim, his elbows are above the rim. We had similar things with Keon Johnson last year, which probably should tell me not to put him here. But I'm I'm (laughs) confident that he's going to break all of those combine records whenever he enters because that's how explosive he is off the ground. But what I missed on him – at the high school level and the grassroots level is passing. His passing is way better than I thought it was. Yeah, it is. He almost had a triple-double last game. It's been two games, averaging five and a half assists per. But he's just very smart in the way he reads the defense, uh, the reactions of defense, the rotations. And then when he's away from the ball, he'll back cut into the lane, takes really high percentage shots. He's shooting 73% from the field. very Kai Jonesy early from last year at Texas. And it, it's a jump shot away from this not being that crazy. It's a it's a huge swing to say you're a jump shot away. He hit one corner oh. three with his feet set that looked okay. It's very slow to get off. Uh, it's yeah. not no man's land, but from here down, it's it's just a crapshoot. And, and for me to to take my swing on, on a guy at the very least, I think will defend, pass, run, and jump. I'm I'm just gonna snap it for here. This is a he's a jump shot away from being like. This being too low, but there's, but I, I also you know want to say I mean? that like there right. is fifty people on draft boards that are jump shot away from it being too low. So I, I also that's don't want, absolutely I, right. I don't want to have it just say like oh it's just one shot he'll figure it out. It's a big thing to figure out. Well, and frankly, like he he's a long way from shooting. I think like I, I don't think it's a, if it look like we thought that Scotty Barnes was a long way from shooting last year, and he's still a long way from shooting from three, but the mid range game has looked a lot more competent so far this year. So I, I don't I don't hate it. You know what? I, like I, I had him. So I'll tell you where I had him. I had him at fifteen. Not awful. Like not awful. Yeah. I, I mean, I I, I I have been impressed. With where he has been, maybe that's too high based off of where, uh, you know, who they've played, right? Like, Baylor has not played anyone. No, they they have played Nickel State. That's the game that that's you showed Nichols. me. Nichols was um, in there somewhere. And told me to watch. Uh, yeah, he's been really impressive. I, I don't have beef with this. Okay. Like, I, I think it's fine to take him All there. Right. Okay. I'm taking another guy that's been underwhelming so far this year. Oh, uh, you're, you're just, okay. All right. I'll, 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 I'll keep my opinions to myself. Who we got? I'm keeping my priors just a little bit strong. Like, look, if we're a month away from now 
and this guy still looks like he doesn't have a role in the offense and is just like kind of out there getting cardio in uh, while taking jumpers, then we'll talk. But in number 11, I'm going Max Christie still. I had Max Christie at 14. Not that crazy. Yeah. So. So crazy, but not that crazy. Max Christie is, yeah, six foot six, 190 pounds. He has not shot well so far in the two games. He's averaging seven and a half points. He had six points against Western Michigan. He had what, like, uh, I think like nine or ten. Uh, I mean, math yeah, says nine, two, I two guess. Two for eight and three for ten in two games for the field. Against Duke, yeah. It, it feels like, and I, I don't want to not put the blame on Max for missing shots because he's just missed some open ones, right? It feels like not only does he not know what the role is, especially given some of those preseason games where he had like kind of a primary role in their offense. It feels like Michigan state doesn't know what they want to do with him offensively yet, because for instance, in the Kansas game, it was a lot of max kind of standing in the corner and them not utilizing him within their sets. Their guards were so bad in that Kansas game that it didn't matter. They like couldn't run sets even. Right. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, like Tyson Walker was not very good. And then AJ Hogard is, is just going to like try and attack, attack, attack and not, um, you know, he's not like a distributor or point guard. Right. So it, it's a weird situation where Max Christie is right now. I still am a believer based off of what we've saw in the preseason and based off of any scout who was up at Michigan state, this preseason uh, who said that he was absolutely killing it and just hasn't played well for two games. And that's going to happen for freshmen who are entering entirely new roles, adjusting to how they have to play basketball under Tom Izzo. Yeah. It seems like he's taking the, the constructive criticism too. He's not just lying around and, and pouting he gets off the bench and gets out and comes back in. He's going to fire. Like he, he has a shooter's mentality. He's, he's not worried about, taking too many shots you take eight then you take 10 don't shoot the ball well he does look uh, this is a, a common theme with all the freshmen we're rifling through just does look overwhelmed physically and we said that after the champions classic yeah. you're not going to magically put on 10 pounds of muscle he's gotten bigger he just has a leaner frame and he has good handle he could pull up and shoot but the, the size is going to help down the line too okay uh, you are up at number 12 now. Okay. Well, I feel a little bit better because he took a freshman who hasn't respectfully done much. I'm going to take a freshman who has done something in two games and then was woefully bad last night. I am going with Bryce McGowan's from Nebraska. Yeah, that, that last game last night really uh, really left a sour taste I, I watched, for me. <laughs> here's the good news. I watched a half. So I watched the second half, so I didn't see the whole thing, and I didn't watch it today. The games I did watch, he was great. They lost to Western Illinois, but he had 25 points. He's six foot seven. He's got long arms. He has the look of an NBA wing. I really like the length yeah. and extension he has on the catch. He can rip it off the rim and go full court. He is slim, but he controls his body. He keeps his balance on those drives and euro steps. Can go either way and has different looks with it. He can hesitate. He can hit the gas. He can finish opposite. He varies those attack points. Keeps his crossover low. Does have a tendency similar to kind of my Jaden Ivy knock is when he catches it, it's just like that backwards jab step, and it's almost like you you know it's a, a fake shot fake. It's not going to shoot. I did see him hit a, yeah. hit a three. It's a catch. It's a little bit of dip. It's a low release. He he just sort of fits the archetype of a guy I want running wide and, and playing for me, and is gonna get better unfortunately his brother 
Trey, who he's playing with in Nebraska, broke his foot, so he's out. So even more of an offensive load and expectation is going to be on him and anticipate him scoring a lot uh, this freshman year and, and just to continue to be on draft radars too. Yeah, so look, I have Bryce McGowan's at like 20, and I think it's a reasonable pick to take him here. Like he's somewhere in this like big group of players, right? Yep. Um, the notes I have from last night against Creighton, uh, very casual mechanics uh, with a fade on the three-point shot. Then in the first four minutes of that game, he had a terrible pull-up transition three that was contested, and it was just like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> um you know, absolutely no lower half involvement in a Bryce McGowan's three-point shot that I saw. Um, he t- everything is short for him. Like a, I, I kind of think that like he could imp- he could really help himself by like kind of widening out his base a little bit from three and trying to get that lower half involved. I think it's very possible he becomes like a pretty high-level shooter at some point, but he's just like nowhere near there right now. And I think it's like ground up level stuff that he's going to have to do. Um, you know, he had a couple of really good back cuts, mm-hmm. like you said. Yeah, but they to over- overplayed him. He's going get- to get that a lot. Like he's going to be overplayed. He's going to be denied the ball. Yeah. The, the thing that worried me, I, I thought he was really bad on defense last night too. And he's just like not really looking for his teammates as a passer. Uh, when he gets the ball, it's going up. And, it feels that way about a lot of guys on Nebraska right now. Yeah. Like Alonzo Verge is just like pounding the ball into the fucking ground. Um, before Trey McGowan's broke his foot, like it felt like Trey was just like trying to get to the cup and not really looking to pass. Yep. Um, their offense ran a lot better when Kobe Webster came in, who is a transfer from Western, Illinois, Western Illinois. Uh, I, I thought that they just looked a lot more comfortable out there. They looked like they were trying to involve one another, uh, and it actually looked like things were running in a coherent, competent manner. But I, I think that Bryce plays a role in that lack of passing. Uh, I would like to see them go with something like Kobe Webster, Bryce McGowan's, like C.J. Wilcher uh, as their backcourt and bring Alonzo's like a scoring punch off the bench. Um, but... Yeah, Bryce was really good in those first two games against uh, the you know Kobe Webster Bowl against Western <laughs> Illinois, and then uh, against Sam Houston State. I thought he was really good as well because Sam Houston State, by the way, is like not a disaster level program either. They do typically defend really well. Um, we'll see where they settle in this year, obviously. But he had twenty nine and five in that game. Again, I, I don't think this is a terrible pick. I, I think it's fine. I, I totally get it based off the upside. But I, I would like to see just like a little bit more feel for the game, I guess, yep. from all, Bryce. All, all he has all the fair. tools. Very fair. I'd just like to see a bit more feel. It, it's, it's, a, okay. it's a toolsy pick. And, and the last thing I'll say is like, but at least he's produced. At least he scored 25 points because I, I think someone we're going to draft here in a couple picks has not scored 25 points total. <laughs> no, no, he hasn't. Um, okay. So what are we up to? 13, I believe? Yes, I just had 12. Okay. I'm going to go. Hmm. I'm going to go with AJ Griffin, who does not have 25 points total. Oh, he's another one. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, this is one that I don't love. And this is me just like kind of hoping that what we've seen from AJ Griffin thus far is him trying to get back from that 
injury that he had in the preseason as well as get comfortable again after not having played a lot of minutes early on in uh or or, or over the last year realistically because he did not play high school basketball last year and obviously did not play aau the year before because there was no aau basketball so it was always going to be a really slow start for aj griffin like there was never a circumstance where he was going to come out of the gates fucking firing i don't think unless he and if he did he was going to be like a guaranteed top five pick Mm -hmm. right Started to see some signs of life against Gardner-Webb. I thought, you know, had 5.6 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals. Seems to be getting his legs back under him. Seems to be getting a lot more comfortable with what he can do. He's a worse basketball player than Trevor Trevor Keels mm-hmm. right now on Duke. Right. Like, he's not as effective. The hope is that he is a better athlete with a better frame who we trust as a shooter and who we trust as a passer. In that all of those tools come together by the end of the year in a way that allows them to play essentially like a six-man lineup of uh, or a six-man rotation of Roach, Keels, Wendell Moore, AJ Griffin, um, Paulo Boncaro, and Mark, Mark Williams. Williams. Yeah. Like that, that team has more upside, I think, this year than any team in college basketball. Having said that, like if you had AJ Griffin at like twenty-five right now, I totally get that. I have twenty, but. Yeah, like I think that's like completely reasonable. Mm-hmm. I am just hoping here that you go back and you watch his tape from what was that? I think the U seventeens, U sixteens, a few years back. What we saw there from him was just like elite, and he looked like a top five pick in the future. I'm hoping that we see more of that throughout the year. But this is one that could look like Keon Johnson level bad mm. by the end of the process we, here. Like I'm, I'm fully aware of that. But this is just bad. like me betting on upside. Yeah, I mean the, the Keon thing he was up, he was down. They had nothing. He had that 25 point game, so he was all with the board. With AJ, he just he has to stay healthy, and he did have some moments late yesterday. I believe it was in the second yep. half of Gardner Webb. The game was out of reach, and that's okay. He just needs reps. You need your legs under him. It's like all the people killing Cade totally. Cunningham. He hasn't played. Give him a few games. Let him shoot two for 100, and by game five, they'll both be fine. I hope that he can get meaningful minutes against good competition, and we can see that player. Yeah, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There's times he looks lost, and it's all right. Like totally. I, I believe that he's going to get there. He's not at 100% yet with his explosion, his pop, pop the way he attacks. He's a top five talent. Does he end up in the top five? I don't know, but I don't hate it taking him here kind of like middle of the first round as a, a lottery ticket that you hope hit a few numbers. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you are up at number 14. I'm actually – you made my job easy for me. I'm going to stay with Duke. I'm going to go with Trevor Keels. Yeah, this is high for me, but I understand it. So it's – this is kind of like we, we've reached the, the draft philosophy range because I don't know if I would take him, but as we rattle off guys – you you can't turn your eye to what he's done out there and what he's been able yeah. to do. Whereas you know, we're talking about players before freshmen like hey, Max Christie has twelve total points. Maybe figures it out. Trevor Keels has figured it out. So it's been a sub- oh like compare him to two of the guys that I've taken already in Ty Ty Washington and AJ Griffin. He's ahead of AJ Griffin in the rotation. Is like a much more critical piece for Duke, and he put Ty Ty Washington in a fucking straight jacket. <laughs> right. Right, like no, no, it's no a key, reasonable no pick to take yeah. him. He, he's so it's been yeah. a surprise just because Trevor's been injured. He got a little bit out of shape. He, he fought some nagging things here and there. 
but it's not like this mega surprise because he was really good for team takeover. He's really good in the circuit, and he's now scored it every game. It, it's some bully ball stuff, absolutely, but he was 6 or 9 for the field last game and, and 4 for 6 from 3. He's that guy that's that's finally healthy and not fighting through all the, the extra crap. I, I do think he has to continue to tone up his frame some. Uh, he's made strides in that department. He's defending. You alluded to the, the Ty Ty Washington straitjacket. So for 14, right outside the lottery, do I feel comfortable with him at 14? I, I feel better if I'm taking him 20, 22. Right. Uh, but the, the next few guys I have ha- haven't really done much. So I can't just pretend like he hasn't done everything he's asked for and then more and been you know, you'd probably say Paul was the best player, but the second best player on a, a top three, top five team in the country. Yeah, totally. He's been their second best player. Him and Wendell Moore, I think, have been their second and third best players behind Paulo. Um, yeah, this, this is fine. Like, I, I totally understand this. He finally made some shots last night, which was really good to see. He had started, like, I think four for 16 or something from three. Uh, went four of six from three last night. We started to see a little bit more of the passing over the last couple games, too, which is something that he's uh, always kind of had and just hasn't gotten a chance to showcase thus far. He's also young for the class as well. Uh, he, I believe, just turned 18, right? Yeah, he is young. So I don't, I don't hate this. Like, I think it's a reasonable pick, to be honest. Uh, he was really, really good in the Champions Classic and has continued to follow that up with subsequent like really strong performances outside of the Campbell game. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm good with this to be honest. All right. Okay, let let's buzz through the next you know set of picks here okay. in a way. Number fifteen, I am gonna go. As I say, buzz through. <laughs> I am. Uh, we don't woefully, buzz. We, we we always have a time limit. We always buzz by by it. So let's just embrace it. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay, make the right pick. Take your time. I'm going to go Kennedy Chandler. Ooh, okay. Which is someone that I was not super high on in the preseason, but holy shit, has he looked incredible in their first two games. Uh, 18 points, five assists, three rebounds, steal and a half. uh, Making incredibly efficient decisions. Part of this is that like he's just shot the lights out of the ball, too, uh, which I don't know if that will be a thing long term, if he will continue to shoot. That's kind of the question. But his decision-making has been absolutely top-notch. Uh, he, he has been everything that we thought he would be from a leadership standpoint as a freshman. Everything we thought he'd be from an efficiency standpoint. Uh, he is creating and making plays at an exceptionally high level. Uh, you know, had six assists versus one turnover in the East Tennessee State game, which, again, East Tennessee State, pretty good basketball program. They just absolutely obliterated them off the court in that game. And I was really impressed with what I saw from Kennedy Chandler. Yeah, I'll see him this weekend. I'm going to go. They play Villanova on Saturday at Mohegan Sun, so so I'll be there and get some eyeballs on him. Has to be able to shoot it. I I just have a hard time with smaller guards. And we're, we're kind, I do too. We're, we're kind of seeing it play out in real time, good and bad, with Sharif Cooper. I mean, there, there's moments where he looks like a wizard, and there's moments he looks like I don't know how much rotation minutes he'll get in the NBA. Kennedy has has made it his mission to kind of work on his jumper in the off season, and so far, so good. So I don't want to knock the kid for for playing and doing everything he wants. I, I have him at 25, and and that's just kind of like, again, philosophically with, with smaller guards and the NBA, it, it's hard yep. to, to make it work. 
but I, I don't hate that pick either. Yeah, and look, like I'm trying to pull up where I had him in the preseason. I actually don't really remember. Like I think I had him probably around like 21, 22. Um, let's see. I had him at – no, I had him at 18, I guess. So I, I like Kennedy Chandler. I think he's a good basketball player. Uh, he knows how to play basketball. Like that's kind of the critical thing. He's really going to struggle defensively, but he might be really, really good offensively. And look, we're doing this like after two games, and it's hard, <laughs> very, right? Very, like very. some of these guys have looked bad, some of them have looked good. We'll see. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, okay. the, the rocket fire round. 16. Course, 16. I'm going to take a guy who has like four points this season. I'm going to go with Peyton Watson from UCLA. Uh, yeah, he was next for me. I, I don't know what to do with him. He, he, like a lot of the prospects, he's he's past the eye text. He's long and lean. He gets off the ground. He's averaging two points per game, and I, I don't know how much his role expands on such a loaded UCLA team. So that team is awesome, and, and they have all the pieces. They returned everybody. Taking him here, for me, this is like a, a futures like cryptocurrency stock. That it's Maybe this is like pre-drafting or the domestic draft and stash. Let's get him in the franchise. Let's send him to the G League. Let's get him a ton of reps and, and hope it pans out. Because if he sticks around UCLA, he's going to be great in a year with, with Jaime gone, with Johnny gone. And you're bringing in Amari Bailey. They're bringing in Adin Bona. So there'll be pieces for him to kind of be more of a, a really – prominent member of, of what they're doing offensively just for where he is it, it's hard for him to kind of show more than what he has he's going to score more than two points per game I'm, I'm confident in that but i don't think he's ever going to be a focal point right now on that roster yeah so he, he was a really hard one to slot for me i ended up here uh in large part because i like some of the flashes that i've seen uh there were some really bad flashes against oh, Villanova. Defensively. Where, the out-of-bounds plays. Yeah, yeah. Twice in a row, I was like, that's a note. i got to write this down. Yeah, I got hit with the same out-of-bounds yes. play, by the way. <laughs> that that, that was the note. <laughs> um, the second one, he at least like recognized it quick enough to have like an incredible recovery block, but he still got beat on it, which was concerning. Yeah, this is fine. Like He's an upside wing, and you take upside wings. Yep. Right? Always. Okay, we are up to number 17 now. I am going to go Oshai Agbaji in number 17. Ooh, I like it. That's delicious. I had Oshai at 16, so we're, we're along Beautiful. the same lines. Okay, so Oshai Agbaji right now looks like a National Player of the Year candidate. Uh, he had 29 against Michigan State. He had followed it up with 25 against Harlton State. You and I both feel confident that six foot five, you know, two hundred and fifteen, let's say two twenty. Yeah, uh, we both feel confident that he can really shoot, right? I do. Yeah, thirty seven percent from three last year. He's improved every single season. Uh, look, he might not shoot forty six from three the entire year, but I think he will shoot it the entire year. Uh, much more comfortable as a ball handler now. Uh, a good plus defender. He is if I remember correctly, pretty young for the class. Like he will play this entire season at 21 years old as a senior. Uh, I am impressed with what I've seen from Oshag Baji this year. And I think he looks like a potential top 20 pick uh, just based off of athletic traits, six foot five with the six, eight wingspan, uh, high level defender, 37 to 40% three point shooter. And has really improved off the bounce this year. All of those traits typically says, 
top 20 pick he's transformed his game he has he's more assertive he creates more off the dribble has improved craft there too and, and he's a leader similar to Trevor Keels on, on one of the better teams in the country I, I believe in his defense he looks like a rotational NBA guy to me 16 does does feel high but it's hard to it's hard to slot him lower right now with what he he's done and he took he took the what was told to him by NBA personnel and said you you, you don't do enough you drift too much you have all the tools you have four percent body fat make it work on the court and, and he has so far this year totally uh you are up at number 18 i believe 18 i actually think you're higher on this guy than i am so i'm surprised he hasn't come off the board i'm gonna go jd davidson from alabama no i'm lower really i have him like pretty low okay actually yeah i have him like late 20s all right well i for me for my money as good as they come when the game is up and down he, he's better making quick decisions it, it, this is a, a wild analogy he's better better making these decisions when the train is like going off the tracks in three seconds than he is if like the train's yeah. going off the track in like 30 seconds where he has to like overthink it he has like quick twitch yeah, ability he, he's to, like denzel in flight whenever <laughs> yeah. he has to like <laughs> yeah. uh the, have the plane flipped yeah, the over plane's ups, the and, plane, and he makes the decisions upside down in transitions point. like am i gonna dunk it or pass it last second like the the half court's <laughs> not his his friend it, it's not awful just the processing is different I like the way Alabama used him in those like dribble weaves, handoffs. They utilize his speed. He makes the right reads. His passes can have too much flair at times. He cuts. He, he uses screen. At times. Yeah. <laughs> at screens well <laughs> to score. The jumper's not there. The, look, we're, we're 18th here, I think, the pick. He's a super high upside guy. Uh, I was actually crushing him to you via text, and for me to take him and you to crush me, it's <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It's, this is full harmony, full Nirvana. We've reached together as a, a tandem on this show. Oh my god! Yeah, I had him uh, twenty eight. Okay. It looks like um, yeah, just not it, the the half court stuff is pretty concerning to me. Uh, Watch their game against South Dakota State. And he had a bunch of assists and had a few grab and goes like off the defensive glass. Uh, I, I really don't think he can shoot at all. Yeah, it's, it's a concern. It's, it's a major swing set. These guys shoot. They're all going to boost themselves about five spots. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what are we up to? 19 now? Uh, sounds right. I hope you're counting because I'm just highlighting the names that come off the board. Yeah, I, be- I believe we're up to 19. Okay. I'm going Dyson Daniels. All right out of the G League Ignite. Uh, Dyson Daniels has, it's like, I don't want to say it's been incredible, but it's, it's probably been more of a mixed bag. They have him playing like as a point guard. And I think he's more of like a secondary, you know, distributor initiator. He was really good in their first game. Like very, very impressive. Part of that was that he was going against Mac McClung and had like five inches of height and McClung is just absolutely terrible on defense. Uh, but so far it's been so good for Dyson Daniels. You know, he's averaging 12 points. He's averaging four assists a game, six rebounds, uh, you know, not turning it over a ton. He shot 36% from three. If he shoots 36% from three and does all of the things that he's done so far for the ignite, he will go in the top 20. Uh, yeah. He's 18 years old. He's six six, and he's a good defender. Uh, th- this is this is kind of just an easy pick for me. Uh, profiles really well, I think, as a rotation player at the NBA level. Yeah, fairly effective out there. His, his attacks are nuanced. He's, he's best as a secondary ball handler. I don't want to say slow, but I'm using everything to say slow. Uh, just 
more methodical in his movements. He thinks it out. He needs some screens to, to free himself out or, or have his feet down for a kick out, but I like him. I had him at 23. Not that wild. Okay. Uh, you are up at number 20. All right. Um, I don't think you're going to have this guy this high, but I am going to go with Harrison Ingram from Stanford. Yeah, I had Harrison uh, 24, I believe. No, the thing that stands so, out yeah. to me the most for him is his vision at his size too he, he has this kind of pro style mid-range game where he's going to be physical pump fake to score and then he can kind of face up and and pull you out and cross you over then a guy rotates he, he hits the dunker spot or, or sprays out to shooters I, I like him making those plays and reads from the elbow and, and doing all that stuff he hasn't really played outside the team system yet either he's been really patient on pick and roll he's not making plays outside the offense he, he handles well and then can be a mismatch guy, too. He, he knows to post up smaller players. little worried laterally. The defense has always been my, my biggest hangout with him. But he's averaging 18 points, yep. 8 rebounds, shooting 54% from the field, 50% from three. Very small sample, but I, I'm encouraged. I, I really liked him preseason. Just wanted to see how it kind of played out on the court. Stanford hasn't been great. I actually really like their roster. Just they've, they've lost, uh, I think they lost Santa Clara. I'm trying to think the other game they dropped. but uh, it, it was a very tight game against the fighting Tim Mileses mm, of uh, San Jose State. Tim Miles can coach, machine gun. But I really like Harrison Ingram, so that's my pick there. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think that's totally reasonable. Uh, that's right around the range, right? Harrison Ingram, uh, like you said, 6'7-ish, long arms, uh, conscientious defensively, too, like, cares on that end at least mm-hmm. even if like the tools give you some pause i would say right okay uh number 21 i'm gonna go ben matherin out of arizona yeah, he has not shot it well but uh he is a guy that i feel confident can shoot shot 42 percent from 385 from the line last year uh so far he's made five of his 17 threes uh he's made 90 percent from the line so far uh yeah, just a good defensive player. The one thing that I will say is that against North Dakota State last night, he started to show some passing stuff that I've never seen from him before. Like, he dished out four assists, which I believe was a career high. Uh, he had, like, an interesting, like, drive, same side kick out that he just missed often last year, right? Like, stuff that you do not expect to see from him. Uh based off of what the tape was last year we're starting to do it and this is a guy that played on the ball a lot more for team canada this summer at the u19 tournament i wonder if that is helping him with his processing ability on the court uh as long as he shoots it he is six foot six six foot seven something in that range 210 pounds has decent length 40 percent three-point shooter who you know cares defensively and maybe plays on selfish basketball that, that guy goes right around the top 20 yeah, 12 points five rebounds arizona's been good they haven't really been challenged so he hasn't had to do too too much but that's really he was my next name too so i'm, I'm with you okay you are up at number 22 22 i'm taking keegan murray from iowa big game last night 27 big and 21 game. and four blocks versus north carolina central He's grabbing going a little bit more off the rim and, and just doing more. Luca Garza's not there. He's called on to do more offensively, and, and he has. He's answered the bell. I, I like the way he uses length in the lane to keep the ball high. He extends before he finishes. He is more of a, a straight-line driver. He doesn't really have that shake or wiggle off the bounce. But someone says some other guy's his position. He identifies his defender. He'll, he'll quick post somebody who's a little bit smaller, score over the top. He'll run the lane wide. He'll spot for threes. 
and then he keeps the defense kind of like alert in the post too with with passing away and cutting and diving has some of that sort of like Boris Diaw offensive post initiation in him too. Uh, I had him here before the monster game last night. I'm not really moving him up or down. Feels like a, a safe play there. That that started to put together his own offensive resume in the the post Luca Garza era at Iowa. Yeah, he was somewhere within the next five for me. Okay, uh, number twenty two, twenty three right now. That was 22, right? Uh, sure. I'm going to say yes no matter what because yeah. I'm not writing it down. Okay. Uh, 23, I'm going to go Yannick Sosa. All right. I was wondering uh, when we are going to an international player off the board, so I'm happy about that. Yeah, look, I, I just think that the international class is deep. Like, I think there are actually a lot of them. Like, if you would see my next, like, 25 names, I would venture there are probably eight or nine that are internationals. I just don't think it's a super high upside group. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yannick Sosa is... A very interesting prospect as far as he's like six foot ten, six foot eleven with seven foot five wingspan. He runs the court like a wing, like in terms of being able to sprint up and down. I just don't think he's been very good so far this year for Malaga. Like the offense is a struggle. Like it, it is it is tough right now for him out there. Uh he's averaging like two points per game. He's shooting thirty three percent from three. Uh the passing stuff is just like not there Uh, it's you you always want to be careful with these kids that are like 18 years old playing real rotation minutes in the acb league and like in the like champions league in europe right because these leagues are fucking hard and they're good leagues but it's a definite step back for him uh for what we saw last year like he was playing euro cup minutes and averaging four points and shooting 63% from the field and keeping it simple. Like this year he's trying to do, it seems like, and look, they're using him this way. Um, Like he's trying to do like a little bit more off the bounce. Like he's taking a few more floaters, um, which like he just doesn't have the touch to do right now. So I I don't know. It's, I've been less impressed with him, but the physical tools I think are real enough to where, uh, he is worth taking a flyer on in the first right now. He just might be more of a um, – it, it's going to be a project. And he just signed a contract extension with Malaga. So, you know, it, it's a situation where he's going to be um, – you know, he, he has a good landing spot over there to get minutes in the ACB League where hopefully they'll develop him. And, you know, you can draft and stash him even potentially. Yeah, I, I had him 29th, and I defer to you just because I've only watched one or two games of his. Similar, 6'11", I, I like his size, like as a, a softball, southpaw. It seemed like a lot of those high ball screens are just that and a slip, and then he does try to take it off the bounce. It, he's asked to tighten his handle some, can face up and, and take guys, but the dribble's a little high, a little sloppy. He's young, so you got to give him a little bit of time to figure it out. Okay. Uh, you are up at number 24. 24. I don't think you have this guy in the first round. I texted when your big board came out. He wasn't on there. If I'm 24, I'm a contender. I don't need a guy to win right now. I'm going to take Josh Minot from Memphis. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. 18 years old, late bloomer, gets off the floor quickly, had a big tip dunk the other night as a weak side rebounder. Oh, there's no I way have, this kid should go pro this year. Well, you know what? He might. So I, I may as well have my bases covered. He, he's kind of playing that like Trey Murphy-ish style where he stays in the corner and only makes plays that swung to him. 
or if he cuts in the lane, he'll hit threes if left open. There's a lot there. There is. He he was great in the Iverson Classic. He, oh, there he is. He was great in the, the preseason. Definitely. Scouts left pro day, and I expected all these Imani Bates and Jalen Durant calls. And I had to like pull that out of people because they were just talking about Josh Minot and then John Camden, the shooter. I'm like, were you guys at pro day? Because I didn't go. Like, no, Josh Minot was the guy. He was the best player on the floor. Uh, doesn't mean he's the best prospect of the three. But if I need to kind of like invest and talk to somebody going a little bit early, I'm good taking him at uh, at 24. If he figures out how to use all these athletic gifts to be effective and, and gets more game reps at high level basketball, this is going to be a steal in a year from now. Oh my God, he's playing 14 minutes That's a game okay. right now. Uh, well, well, is, how, how, many, a, how many, how many look, minutes does Josh Primo play? Was that? Yeah. All right. In All terms right. of talent. Like I'm there yeah. with you. Like I've been like talking to like I I think I've mentioned Josh Minot on the podcast before, and like we've talked about him for an extended period of time as a guy that has this kind of upside. Yeah. Like I remember when they were recruiting him, they were like, "I'm telling you, like we found a steal. Like this is the guy. Like he is going to be really, really good. Is like this combo forward who can shoot and who can just be an athletic freak show. He does not have near enough polished plate." Anywhere, like I think he'd have trouble in the G League right now. That's okay. To be honest, he can't have trouble at 18 years old. We'll talk when he's 20. That's fine. That's fine. You think about rotational guys and rosters, and you get guys in second round. You get guys that are undrafted. If you have the patience, you have the developmental system there as a coaching staff. It'll work out. They're not all going to be home runs day one. It's going to take some time. That's true. I worry that he's three years away. Three years, then he's 21, then he's too old. But right now, we're good. But, but like, from actually being able to play, like, NBA minutes. That's fair. Let alone, like, effective NBA minutes. Like, being able to, like, play on an NBA court. I think he's three years away. I hope he goes back to school and and isn't a fan of the podcast, but I'm taking him 24th. Yeah, and I really like the talent. I think he is I think he is a future NBA player, but you have to think about it from like the perspective of if you're a team developing this kid, like you're gonna have to put in It's time. It, yeah. at this level you're putting in seven million dollars, uh, and then you have to make like essentially two because if we think he's not ready to play in the NBA for three years, you have to make two option decisions on keeping him around whenever there are rookies coming into the league every year. I don't know that that's not a situation I'd want to put myself in. Nope, I still do not look. I don't rank freshmen outside of the top fifty um, this early in the season just because, like, I don't think it's necessary to do. I, I don't have Josh Minot in the top fifty from an, if we're talking like upside, like what he could be long term. Yeah, I get it. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, I, I do. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I think it, from an asset management perspective, it would just take too long. That's fine. I think. That's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll tuck this one away. I, I feel okay with this one right now. Okay. Number 25. I'm a bit surprised that neither of us have taken Jean Montero, but I feel like one of us should take Jean Montero. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. I, I don't like love taking him for what it's worth. The scouts that have been down to OTE have said that he looks much better as a distributor than what he did early on for uh, in his career when he was playing overseas in Spain. When he was there, it was all scoring all the time. 
right like that was that was the whole game like he was a pull-up gunner it was like a smaller version of trey man right but he's i think a little bit more technically gifted off the bounce and if the passing is real then i think that he's worth a pick probably around 20 there are guys that i think like once we get down into this range i am uh I'm actually pretty interested in now. It's that like six to twenty range where I don't have anyone right now. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. I mean, he he can really score it. I, I, I just I've watched. I, I think, admittedly, only I watch his overseas stuff. Then I only watched one overtime elite game on YouTube. I, I have to watch more. I had it more in the thirties. Just small scores, small guards scare me. It's not small, just like smaller from yeah. a high volume shooting wise. Um, so I haven't been the biggest fan, but I, I, maybe that's a little bit of ignorance of having to watch more, too. Okay. You are up at number 26, I believe. So I, at 26, I'm going to take a guy who hasn't played a game yet this year. I'm going to take Terrence Shannon Jr. from Texas Tech. Sure. This is about the range I had him last year, maybe a little bit lower, somewhere 25 to 35. He hasn't played because yeah, of— this is a Matthew Penny pick, it, it, tried and true. <laughs> stay consistent. It, they had to play due to an abundance of caution that Texas Tech was kind of going through because he went through the pre-draft process, just want to make sure he was compliant with NCAA, so he did that. He's going to play, I think, tonight, actually. But slashing athlete, good body, moves his feet well. We'll see if the jumper gets better and if he takes more of sort of this leadership jump at Texas Tech. That's what's expected of him. Uh, the reports of the workouts of the offseason have been positive, so just see if he can build on what he left off last year. Okay, uh, I am up now at 27. I have two picks left, and there are three guys that I really wanted to take, okay. to be honest. Maybe I'll take one for you. Um, I'm going to go Mark Williams mm. at 27. Uh, he's just been terrific as an interior defender for Duke. He has done everything that you would hope he would, stepping into a... Uh, lesser role realistically than what he had late last season seven foot with a seven foot six wingspan i mean he was dominant last night against gardner webb he had 13 points and six blocks uh i thought he was really good against kentucky as well uh five points and seven rebounds three blocks he was dominant on the interior um this is just a guy that i think can be a like you know mid-tier starting center in the NBA. Yeah. If you think he's a, a mid-tier starting center type, I'm I'm good with this pick. I mean, the I don't want to say the draft broke my brain, but I, I'm trying to like revisit the whole Bigs thing because Evan Mobley's been way better. Yeah, I had him fourth, probably should be second. <laughs> but part of my thing of waiting on Bigs is like Jericho Sims is getting minutes, right? And he like he was not undrafted, yeah. but he he went late. If I can get Jericho Sims typeish minutes in the late fifties, I, I wouldn't necessarily burn one here in the late first, unless he starts a starter. So you see that that way, I, I totally get it. Yeah. Okay. Number twenty eight. You are twenty eight. Is this my last pick? Oh, I got two more. All right, I'll I'll say the cra- I'll, I'll say the crazy one for last. I guess I'm gonna go G League Ignite. I'm actually gonna Marshawn Beauchamp here. Yeah, I had him in the top 30. I'm good with that. I had a couple of high-scoring... I'm glad you took him, actually. High-scoring games. I mean, we, we alluded to... I alluded to. Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga aren't there. But he, he's he been good. I mean, he's been savvy finishing in the lane around the basket, making quick reads on the break to kind of get his points. Really works on the glass, stays with the play. 
can spot out on the perimeter from three, and, and you're okay with kicking out to him. One play was a, a dribble handoff, and he turned the corner hard, one dribble, and took off the dunk. He missed it, but like that's the type of pressure that he applies to the paint. And he pushes, he pushes, 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 wants to play fast. Can be a blinders guy. I want him to see the floor a little bit better uh, without taking away some of that intensity. But late first, I, I like him there. Okay, number 29. <laughs> this is so gross. You're, you're making me not take Jaime Hawkes in the first round. Take him right now. It's your pick. And no, I can't because... I'm, I'm going to take Kadari Richmond. Oh, you can't am, help uh, yourself. Okay. I can't. can't. I can't. I was watching. Look, we were texting during was, the game last night. I don't know if he scored, <clears throat> I think, or, or had four points. Oh, no, he didn't score. Yeah. He was good defensively, that's, but he didn't that's score. Fine, but I was watching, and I think we were figuring out what we we're going to do today. And I'm like, I wonder if he's going to take Kadari in the first round. But you did. Yeah. I, look, I had him top 20 in the preseason. Like, his offensive game is just not there yet. He was the best player on the court against Yale in that game. Like I, I will straight up say that he had 13 points. He had five rebounds. He had three assists and was dominant defensively, right? Like that, that's who we think he is. We have not seen anything from him so far that makes me think he is not a potentially elite level NBA defender. Uh, he is almost six foot seven. Now uh, he has incredible instincts for going out and like, just taking the ball from the opponent. Um, yeah, he, he's going to have a ton of like high steal games this year. He's going to have a few games where he blocks a couple shots. The key is just what is he offensively? Hasn't played well yet, other than that Yale game where he was really good. But, you know, against Michigan, he was terrible, and he's going to have games like that. So um, they don't always need him offensively because they have so many different guys that they can trust offensively to be able to go and get a bucket like you're bringing Bryce Aiken and Jameer Harris off the bench both of whom are like all conference mid-major level players we'll see where it goes uh, I'm I'm willing to take Kadari just based purely off of the defense yep. in the first yep. round though that's your sell I get it okay number 30 this stinks I have like five names um yeah. okay I have two left that I really wanted to take I'm gonna take Matthew Cleveland from Florida State Okay, he was not one of them because <laughs> I, I was not I impressed. So. I think uh, my other name isn't either. either because after the Florida State's draft track record, I don't think we're allowed to count against them ever again. He, he's just a guy that totally. that stays in movement. He keeps defense working. has has some craft from the perimeter to make a, a move or two. He's at his best in transition or before the defense is set. Fluid at both hands. He he does prefer driving to his left. Can pull up off the bounce. He's fallen in love some with the the twelve foot pull up jumper. But uh, just a true up and down energy guy that can be a game changer when the game is played fast. Uh, just just right there for me, kind of more in the thirty to thirty five range. You've picked off some of my guys here, but uh, I'm good with with Matthew Cleveland with everything Florida State has done as a program with Patrick Williams with Scotty Barnes. That you just got to believe that those guys are going to figure it out. Yeah, and I, I have Matthew Cleveland in the forties right now. I, I don't hate the pick. Um, I think he's a multi-year guy. I've not loved what I've seen from him defensively yet. Uh, I've not loved what I've seen from him as a passer yet. I do totally buy the scoring, but a lot of his buckets have come in transition in these first two games uh, against Florida and Penn, particularly against Florida. I think three of his five came in transition. Yep. Um, I, I would just like to see more half-court craft I agree. Uh, from Matthew Cleveland. 
before like diving in fully. Okay, so that's thirty. Uh, the two names that I really wanted to play, wanted to take. Uh, one was obviously Jaime Jaquez. I love Jaime Jaquez. I just uh, I've loved him for you know two years now and think he's awesome. And um, I I would love to have taken him in the first round. The other name. It was funny. Rob Doster texted me last night. He goes, you have to watch the second half involving this guy um, playing this game. And I was like, you're really going to make me sit down and fucking watch this game right now. It's, you know, I've had to watch like five games today. I have to rate rookie rankings for later this week. You're really going to make me do this. And he was like, just watch the offensive possessions. I'm telling you. It was Caleb Love against Charleston. Oh, yeah. He He cooked last night. He did. He really did. He was fucking unbelievable. Yeah. He was so good against Charleston in that second half. They and look like they kept putting this dude in front of him. It was like some like smallish white kid that just had no chance yeah. to stay in front of him, right? Um, he just repeatedly cooked this. He kid. did, he- and he has looked really, really good so far. Caleb, I, I actually Cole. think he has a real shot. Yeah. And, and, and people said they expected a monster year. He was bad last year. He, his, his shot was bad. The percentages were bad. Everything was bad. So I'm glad he's had a bounce. I, I did not have him that high, but I, I get it. I see it. I, I understand that you're, you're building on a crappy year. You've, you've played well to start coming out of the gates. Had a huge rep coming out of high school. Was expected to be a one and done. And if a guy can, can improve on the bull that he had to go through the year before and has gotten better, yeah, he deserves a longer look. And the other thing that he did at an exceedingly high level was make passing reads. Um, last year, he did not make the level of passing reads that he did this year. I think he actually has a higher or a lower assist rate than what he did last year, but the reads are different. Like he's he's operating within the offense, not like having the gears turn 90 mile an hour while he's trying to figure out you know, oh shit, there's a guy coming at me. I'm supposed to make, you know, this passing read. Like, he's actually letting things come to him. His frame looks a lot better. Like, I think that they're not listing him any different. Like, I think they still have him at like six foot three, six foot four, 195 pounds. But he looks like thicker and stronger through the shoulders yep. than what he did last year. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't quite get to him uh, here, but. I, I, I wish, I, I'm glad that we took this time at the end to talk about him. I guess mm-hmm. it is because uh, he was great last night. He was really, really He's good. He's the bottom. He's the odds on end section. I had a couple too. I've really liked Julian Strother from Gonzaga. I don't, I don't know if it, it yeah. happens this year, but he's he's really grown on me. Just uh, there's buzz building the off season and and in like the scrimmages. And I'm like, well, I think he just played well in this blue white scrimmage or whatever. But he's this connective piece. He moves. He cuts. He scores from the flow of the offense. And I like the look of his shot. He catches. He squares. Releases in motion. And he's just the king of making plays when the defense relaxes or breaks down. So <clears throat> you stand up away from the ball, he's going to face cut for a dunk. And for where he is, he's the perfect guy for a current role with with Drew Timmy, with Chet Holmgren. And if he stays, he's going to take a, yep. a big leap next year and, and could be even higher than this. We also should probably mention Alan Flanagan from Auburn. Just been hurt, been out. Yeah. Like he, he was a pre-draft guy that we kind of slotted maybe in like the 20s. And then just just a couple of the names rifling here through. Damian Collins from Kentucky has has some fans yep. in the lottery. Uh, I have not watched Marshall yet this season, but I've heard good things about Tavion Kinsey and, and his returns. And then um, Marcus Bagley has just been up and down. He got hurt last night. They pulled him early. They're worried about his leg or his ankle. 
And a, a guy I like and I've just seen a game is Jordan Hall from St. Joe's. Yeah, so a few other guys that I think it's worth bringing up here. Uh, Roko Prokacin and Nikola Jovic out of, well, they play in the Adriatic League. One of them plays for Sabona in Croatia. Another one plays uh, for Megalex in Serbia. Uh see who who else here musa diabate did you consider him uh i actually didn't I, I i wanted i wanted to i've watched michigan twice now i think he's just like not quite there yet uh especially yeah. like defensively his calling card he looks a little bit bigger he switches well but just the offense has scared me a lot of just been the guards the guards have been really high usage and taking shots i haven't used him a lot in the offense uh, I, I think we're contractually obligated to mention Johnny Juzang. He's been better. I mean, I, I know he's been shooting, like, a lot. And he came out of the gates, like, absolutely firing in, in that overtime game against Villanova. But I feel like he's getting to his move a, a little bit quicker. He's been a little bit more efficient when, in the tournament, he kind of catch it, pull it out, slow down, end a shot clock, do some, like, crazy mid-range pull-up. I feel like he, he's gotten better there. Uh, Jabari Walker from... Colorado had a good game last night, shot it really well in the NCAA tournament. And it, it's probably going to be a guy in the 40s, but I'm, I'm sure he'll have some fans. Is also Drew Timmy from Gonzaga has been a monster and a half. I'm actually realizing that I missed someone on my board here Uh-oh. as we're talking. Um, Usman Dieng yep. out of the New Zealand Breakers. Where was he on the yeah. board? He, he is someone that realistically should be taken um in the first round like he he will go in the first round somewhere um he's played i've watched a little bit bits and pieces of the breakers preseason games uh his it's been a struggle early on in a way that you would expect for a guy who's six foot nine 185 pounds who's like a guard playing in a very physical league look i think he's likely to go in the first round if we're just being completely honest and being in the trust tree i probably should have taken him somewhere uh you know for instance there there's no way i think that he goes below you know kadari richmond or someone like that in the draft like he's gonna go somewhere uh, ahead of them and raising hand my my bad (laughs) is the international (laughs) maven on this podcast i'm 38th just because I, i don't know enough but i had roko 40th I've watched those guys, but I don't have nearly the intel that you do. Yeah, no, Dieng is Dieng's good. Uh, he he's someone that like has real upside, has real ceiling. Like probably should be selected in something like this. Yeah, I get it. I get it. We're not going to hit okay. everybody, but it, that's a good like forty-ish names or so. I'm sure ten. We're going to look pretty dumb, and hopefully about twenty of them were are decent and some middle of the road, so people don't completely jump ship on us. Okay, Penny, we, we have like five minutes until you have a hard out. Yeah, a uh, good five. Have you, have, you watched, have you watched movies How do you have time in the to watch last movies uh, right now? week? I, I haven't because we're, we're full swing basketball mode where I got to squeeze in as much yeah. time in that two, three hours pre-bedtime. I've watched some bad TV. Uh, have not watched movies. There, there, there is some stuff coming out uh, that I haven't seen yet. I think, is it Christmas Eve or Thanksgiving, the new Leonardo DiCaprio astronaut movie on uh don't look up yeah right so that that's kind of on the the watch list mayor of kingstown is on the watch list yeah that looks great but haven't seen those but i i am i am anxious to hear what you have watched here in your travels the last week or so 
Well, it's been... I've been watching like a few old movies here and there, to be honest. I will say, um, finally saw Shang-Chi, which was great. Um, fun time. Really, really enjoyable movie. Uh, have you watched The Harder They Fall on Netflix yet? Uh, I Is The Harder They Fall with Ryan Reynolds? Who's, who's in The Harder They Fall? No, that's Red that's Notice. Red, yeah. uh, the Harder They Fall is the one with Jonathan Majors and Lakeith Stanfield, and it's a Western. Yes, I've seen the I've seen the ad. I have not watched it now. Really fun. You should watch it. Um, and then I saw No Time to Die, just being an enormous James Bond fan. Yes. So, like, obviously, I had to go see it. Um, Good. <laughs> look. Yes, very good. Okay. It's, it's hard to have... Well, no, 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 no. I had a really great time with it. The first 90 minutes are great. The next, like, 45 are not great. And then, like, the last 15 are amazing. Um, it, it's There's, like, a big lull in the middle there. It's hard to talk about, like, without diving into plot um, in a way that I don't want to, like, do. So, on this podcast because so, people should go see so it. So this is it for Daniel Craig, right? As Bond. This is his last movie. So yeah. they say, but the, the checkbook always comes out. People change their mind. Where does he rank mm-hmm. in terms of Bonds? Is he a top three Bond for you or is he just like a, another kind of guy? Is he George Lazenby for you? Well, it, yeah, it's very, it's very clearly like a top two. Like it's it's him and Sean Connery, I think. Yeah. I think Connery's um, my number one. Goldfinger and Thunderball are almost untouchable in the Penny household. Yeah, I just watched Dr. No um, over what, maybe on like Monday or Tuesday, I think. <laughs> just, just to kind of like Dr. Like no reset. on a Tuesday. I'm, I'm debating Ohio State Xavier. <laughs> like, I don't know. They'll pop in Dr. No. Get nuts. Well, like, I have this time when everyone's that's, asleep. That's, that's right? the amazing part of, of the show, of our friendship, is you wake up, you get to watch games, you're done by what? Two o'clock in the afternoon? three o'clock yeah so you have like this, three you have or this four. window yeah. which is difficult in terms of finding podcasting time but great for your your viewing schedule i'd imagine yeah it's, it's really great <laughs> like and the other thing is like i have the like i have the crazy box set of like every james bond movie so like i don't have to search for it like i can just pop in the blu-ray and like i'm there right um and yeah i kind of watch dr no just to like and like i'll probably watch a bunch of the old sean connery ones over the next couple weeks just to kind of like remember like the differences between the two like it's a drastically different character but like as soon as sean connery like that first scene that you see him like where he's like for the first time he's james bond you're like oh this dude's like the coolest fucking person on planet earth that's james bond you're not you're not wondering on screen who's james bond it's like that's the guy yeah no it's, it's unbelievable um i'm trying to think i watched uh Point Blank from 1967, a John Borman movie. What? I thought you were say Point Break. You know? like, great. My wife actually thought I was talking about Point Break. She was like, wait, is that, that the, the one, one with, with the Gary Busey Keanu with the, the two little meatball sandwiches? Utah get me two. Is that it? Not close. Yeah. You're 30 years off. Yeah. Um, Point Blank is probably one of the best movies I've seen in the last like five years of my life. Um, I was like completely blown away by it. Uh, if you're looking for an old, like revenge thriller movie, I think that is probably one of the best movies ever made. If you're just you looking for like, uh, 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 it's on the criterion channel for two more weeks. If you have the criterion channel, 
watch it. It's fucking unbelievable. I'm just looking it up. Release date, August 30th, 1967. Unbelievable. It's yeah. great. It's great uh, poster art, too. I feel like movies have like moved away from that. Like The old school movie posters are so good. Oh, they're so good. Yeah. I've been like debating. So there are these things called steel boxes, right? Because um, eventually this podcast is moving to video. And we're kind of like working out the like kinks on that now, right? Um, so I've been trying to figure out what I would do for background. There are these things called like steel box DVDs that often have really cool artwork. So I've been trying to decide like, do I want to like just get a bunch of these and like have that like kind of like sit in a bookcase behind me? Um, and a lot of them have that old movie poster yeah, look yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. I remember. I just think of. Uh my dad's a big Steve McQueen fan, so we had like Bullet, we had Great Escape, those type of like really iconic posters, pictures in our basement growing up. It's funny, I almost popped on Great Escape. I, I mean, uh, I feel like you're, you're, you're a pop away from any movie that I mention. Well, if and when we do video, I, I'm, I just want to clear clear this up now. I'm not being held hostage. Just it's it's likely going to be a, a white wall <laughs> or, or weird wallpaper that stayed at work too long. Um, I don't have the best setup yet for for video, but uh, we'll we'll try to charm you along the way. Well, the the Penny family is you know we're we're you guys are in the process of moving at some point, uh, yeah, so you can't yeah. go crazy with it. Yeah, right that's now. a that's another two hour podcast that people believe is a, is a real thing. That's another story for another day. But yes, we'll we'll eventually be moving shortly. No, 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 not departing Boston. Boston is a a part no, of the never, the Penny. Never. We can't. The penny blood. There's just no way. Can't do it. Can't leave Matt and Ben alone. But no, there's just no way. Okay. Uh, this has been the Game Theory Podcast. I have written like a million things over the last week. I've written multiple scouting notebooks. I've written uh, betting previews. I've written, written like conference championship betting odds things over at The Athletic. I have rookie rankings, I think, coming tomorrow. Uh, not a thousand percent sure on that, but I believe it'll be tomorrow. It could be Friday. Um, beyond that, I think that's all that I've got to plug. Matthew, what do you have to plug? I have to plug Twitter, Matt underscore Penny. Shoot me a follow there. And then uh, I'm I'm actually, despite all the basketball I've watched on film, I'm going out to the wild this weekend. There's a national prep showcase, so I'll be there to watch the prep schools wow. in the country on Friday and then Saturday. Saturday, I'm doing the double dip, doing the uh, Hall of Fame tip-off for Tennessee Villanova, then jetting back for NMH and IMG Academy. So I, I feel I feel alive. I feel like I'm, I'm back on the road watching hoops. It's, it's good stuff. This has been the Game Theory Podcast. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe, do everything you can to support the show. We will be back uh later this week with some nba stuff i know i said i was doing three podcasts last week but i got slammed writing like fifteen thousand words for the website so ended up just rolling with two but yeah we'll be back later this week with some more nba stuff i'll probably do like a 21 questions thing Uh, i i really have to watch the wizards uh probably today because they are a fascinating experiment right now in the nba it feels like uh but Until next time, we will talk soon. Bye.